John, so much to talk about. NFL greed on Thursday, Big Ten mess, Pac-12 mess, ESPN, DTC, and... And the Pat McAfee deal, including a public shout-out for you at the Disney Upfront. All that and more on this week's Marshand and Oran Sports Media Podcast. As of announced about 15, 20 minutes ago by New York Post, shout out to Andrew Marshawn, weaseling his way into every piece of information there is in the media world. My show, my guys and I, will be joining the ESPN universe. And we're back. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And John, it was good seeing you last week. Did McAfee have to call you Weasley? Or is it, uh, come on. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think that was a, that was his way of saying, you know, doing some fine reporting, I hope. A hat tip. Uh, it was a hat tip to you, certainly. Yeah, yeah but, but that, come on, man. We don't have to use that word. That, that, <laughs> I appreciate that one. And let's get to it. Who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Andrew, I'll lead us off. Uh, my who's up, Brittany Griner. And I'm going to sound like a broken record here, Andrew, but women's sports is seeing a ton of growth on TV. And we saw it last weekend with Brittany Griner's return to the WNBA. She, of course, was detained for about 10 months in Russia on what appeared to be totally trumped up charges. And uh, her return to the WNBA on Friday night was a made-for-media moment. ESPN they posted their biggest WNBA regular season game audience in 24 years, almost a quarter century. And this is for a game that started at 11.35 p.m. Eastern, and it followed a playoff hockey game. Hockey, generally speaking, is not a great lead-in for women's basketball. So, you know, we've talked a lot about the promise of Caitlin Clark and, and Angel Reese, you know, and what they're going to bring to the WNBA when they come in, in coming years. But with Griner, the league has showed that it is able to cultivate stars. John, my who's up is Devin McCourty, who was just hired to be on Football Night in America on their pregame show, their studio show with Maria Taylor and, and everyone else. Uh, you know, we talked about this maybe a year and a half ago or so. Uh, the McCourties are coming and now they're here. I mean, we when you think about sports media, you think about NFL media. The McCordys are going to be a big part of your life. Uh, we've seen the success that Jason has had on Good Morning Football. Uh, you know, it took him a long time, but he's been the replacement for Nate Burleson on that show that has uh, a nice following uh, and does a good job uh, each morning, being kind of the center focus of the football world uh, in the mornings. Uh, and then on Westward One, he was excellent. Uh, and uh, Devin's also going to do some Westward One, some radio broadcasts, which I think is also great if you end up doing TV. Uh, I think it's really good if you have that radio background, you know, especially as a play-by-play guy, but also as an analyst. And now NBC sees the potential, and Devin McCourty was willing to put him uh, on a number one crew right at the start. Uh, and, you know, big things from the McCourty. And so who's up? Devin McCourty. You know, Andrew, one of the fun things about doing this podcast with you is that uh, it was, I think you said a year and a half ago, you first put the McCourty's names in front of me and as, uh, as people to watch. And it's been a lot of fun just to see their rise over that, uh, over that year and a half since I first started sort of paying attention to them. So hats off to uh, Andrew, Andrew Marshan, 
I, I, I think you, it's all of them, but you should get a cut, I think. I My goodness. I'm not them. I got some intel that they did really well at the NFL boot camp uh, that they have for guys who are playing or just retired in terms of who want to get into the media. And the McCordys were the standouts by far. And, you know, people are paying attention to NBC and NFL Network and Westward One. Uh, and now those guys have big time jobs. My who's down, Kevin Warren, the former commissioner of the uh, Big Ten Conference, who is now a, a senior executive of the uh, Chicago Bears. Did you see Pete Thamel's story on the problem with the problems with the Big Ten's media deals? I think ESPN.com posted that on Sunday night, I think. And the, the new deals, they kick in in less than three months and they're not done yet. I, 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 it's not unusual for these types of deals not to be signed yet because lawyers go through them. And, and But that's usually to dot I's or cross T's. They're still horse trading, according to Thamel's uh, story. There's still like a big questions about what NBC has versus what Fox has versus what uh, CBS is expecting. And if you read Thamel's story, uh, Kevin Warren does not come out looking good at all. Here are some of the juicier nuggets from it. The Big Ten owes Fox $40 million because according to Thamel, and this is a quote, Warren delivered NBC the Big Ten football title game in 2026 without the full authority to do so. Later in the story, he talks about, and when you think of the Big Ten, you think about, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, you know, those are the three of the biggest brands in the conference. Well, they're pushing back on the idea that they have to play primetime games in late November when it's uh, when it's uh, cold and, and conditions aren't great for the fans in, in those markets. Well, that's news to NBC, which has primetime games through late November. So if they're going to have to be stuck with the Maryland Rutgers primetime game instead of one of the teams vying for the titles, uh, that that's not great for, for NBC. It's not great for the Big Ten. Uh, current uh, commissioner Tony Petiti is uh, working overtime right now trying to make everybody whole. And it, it, it according to that story, sounds like a big mess. Yeah, it, it we'll get into that more. That's one of the topics. We'll get to that in a minute. My who's down, Roger Goodell and the absolute greed of the NFL. Thursday night football is now going to have flex scheduling the last four weeks of the year. They'll probably only use it once. They're only allowed to use it twice at most, uh, but they'll probably only use it once, you know, if at all. That said, it's gross. You know, when you, there are things, I get it, that these people are only interested in business and making more money and how they can make more money. But sometimes things just don't feel right. And when you ask people to buy a ticket for a Sunday game, and then a month before, now they moved it back from, it was going to be two weeks. They moved it back to now 28 days. Uh, 28 days before, people who are flying in, people who are making plans uh, forever. Now, it's it's one thing, I mean, flex scheduling going from Sunday to Monday, which is going to happen this year is not great. Flex scheduling going from Sunday to Sunday night is not great. Flex scheduling going from Sunday, moving up three days to Thursday is ridiculous. Um, now, I give Amazon and the NFL some credit in terms of how their deal is put together because we can get into this in the topics, but um, I do think the NFL is incentivized to have Amazon do well because I do I do believe there's a ratings number that triggers a playoff game for a big number that might even be more than the 110 million dollars that uh, Peacock is paying for this uh, wild card game that's coming up uh, this year and so that was smart to incentivize the NFL to give Amazon a good schedule but 
to do this. And, and I think this is designed. You don't want those. I get it. I get it for they, their argument would be for the, you know, tens, 10 million or so, give or take, uh, that are, will watch the games late in the season. It's better for them. But you have thousands and thousands of people who are setting their schedule, and especially the people who travel. And NFL fans travel really well. They just basically can't travel, you know, as confidently those four days because it's one thing if, you know, it's a Sunday night, you know, you move from Sunday to Sunday night or even a Monday. It's not great, obviously. But to go back when you have a flight to go in Friday and now the game is the day before you're supposed to fly in, uh, that's horrendous. And that's just greed. And Roger Goodell is my who's down. That takes us right into the uh, the topics, Andrew. So if I'm the NFL, and I, I'm going to take the NFL's viewpoint here, because it is, it is if you bring up the uh, fan that pays for tickets, it's a hard argument to make to say, like, I, the, the, this actually is, is worthwhile. But for, for the NFL, they want schedule flexibility. So, you know, if you're talking about one fan with a ticket, they're thinking about how can, how can we get the best games with the most viewership in the best possible windows? And they have uh, flexibility to do that by moving games from early Sunday to late Sunday, from you know any time period Sunday to Sunday night. Now with Monday night, which in, involves staying over and potentially messing up a, with, with a, a work day. And, and so Thursday night was the only place where they couldn't do that. This is a way for them to do that. And the other advantage, uh, and, and fans hate to hear this, but it's a, a, an advantage for the, the NFL is that they want to do whatever they can to make sure that Amazon and YouTube and Apple and whatever streaming service is out there stays in love with NFL programming. So they already know that cable, cable companies, cable networks, they love NFL programming. They see what NFL ratings do for the entire, uh, um, channel broadcast networks. They already love it. Amazon, they're, they're sort of testing with it right now. And it, there, there could be a, a possibility where they say it is not worth the money that we're, we're paying for it in terms of subscriber acquisitions or, or actual viewership. So what can the NFL do to make sure that, that this package stays as robust as it is so that when it comes up there, there's going to be a bunch of people that, that are, that are bidding for Thursday night football. And it's to, to make sure that not not necessarily that it gets the best games, but they keep the dog games out. I would like to bet with these guys. Like they can decide in four weeks what's going to be a dog game versus what's not. I mean, what happens if, if they go on a winning streak or they go on a losing streak? Or I, 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 there are a lot of questions about how this works. It's a one year deal, so we'll see how it how it evolves. But I I can totally understand why the NFL made this decision from a business standpoint. Mike Molehill from Fox Sports, big time executive there. He had a tweet about that, looking at last year's and you know trying to predict four weeks out uh, which teams would be good and where to. And you have to look at it. Um, I, I don't know this a hundred percent, but I presume Sunday and Monday have flex scheduling uh, before Thursday does. So uh, no, they could have good games, so they don't need flex scheduling the weeks that Amazon possibly could meet it. And then they get to protect some games. So yeah, this is basically to take the dog games out. So if you have a terrible game with a couple of three and 11 teams at that point, you can get them out of there. Um, and I get it as a fan watching. Yeah. I'd rather watch a good game in these exclusive windows, but I just think it's just doesn't feel right at all. It's gross. I, I find it gross. Honestly, it's like, uh, yeah. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't really see how with a straight face, I understand what you're saying. And those are, 
fair points business-wise, but you're actually talking about people. It's like caring about your customers. And yes, you could say, well, there's more of the other customers, but these are your most loyal customers who are spending thousands and thousands of dollars. Not everyone has thousands and thousands of dollars just to waste or not be able to figure out where they have jobs to pay for these trips. And now the game's on Thursday, it was on Sunday. So uh, it does, it changes your plans. I take some trips sometimes to go see NFL games with my brother, um, with uh, some friends we've done in the past. And you you, you got to really be strategic in terms of how you plan. I mean, I, I think I've mentioned this before a couple of years ago, I was going with my brother, Michael, and uh, we were going to travel um, to see the Steelers and the Chargers. And I said to him, Michael, you know what, make your flight, make sure we make our flights for Monday uh, because it could get flexed in. It was supposed to be a one o'clock game. It was, it was flexed in. So, you know, but I cover sports media. So I, I'm prepared for this. Not everyone covers sports media. I mean, nobody's, you know, not everyone's an expert on this stuff. By the way, Michael Marchand getting a shout out on the pod. There How are you, go. Michael? There you go, Mike. This is a very difficult position to defend because, yeah, you you, you talk about the paying customers and, and, and the ticket brokers. But my, I think my final point on this in, in terms of defending what the NFL does a little bit is that if you go through last year's Amazon schedule, I think there's one game tops that this would affect. This isn't going to affect the entire schedule and it's going to be a very high bar and it's going to just make sure that one of those dog games are, gets pulled out. I think the likelihood is that we're going to go a couple of seasons and not see any flexing on, on Thursday night. It was night. even I, worth I, it. That's my other thing is just to, to really like, I get it. I agree with you. They, they can only do it once or twice, but just to rub your biggest fans nose in it and basically they have to change their plans of how they do everything i understand they could argue more people watch than actually go to these games so those people are more important we're helping the greater good that would be the counter argument it just doesn't feel it just doesn't feel right that you're forcing these other people um to either not make plans or make plans and then they could have them totally ruined because also as much as we're into this and as much as nfl fans are into it not everyone's up on every little thing that happen, you know, every flex schedule, even if they're big fans, they don't necessarily know about it. And that, again, that's, I guess, their own fault in some regards, but uh, I, I don't think that's great. Andrew, let's go into our next topic. We uh, teased this in the opening. Pat McAfee, giving you a shout out on stage, of course. He finally signed his deal with ESPN. Uh, what do you know about that? Well, number one, I think they wanted him on linear TV, which from 12 to 3, he'll be on because they feel like, you know, what they have uh, there right now, including this just in with Max Kelpman, that the ratings are going to be so much higher that they'll be able to make up um, for the lucrative contract that they gave them. Now, in terms of the numbers, I have pretty idea of what they are. Still working on that. Not ready to report those fully yet. Um, but uh, they're significant, of course. Uh, so uh, from ESPN's point of view, though, they already have McAfee for game day. They've uh, worked with him on, you know, with 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 uh, Peyton's company, Omaha Productions, on, you know, the Manning cast type uh, show for college football. You know, they feel confident that they they're it's going to work out well. The show, he said, is going to be the same, except he's going to swear less or at least use the F word less. Um, I think they'll bleep that out on ESPN. Not sure how that will work on YouTube. You know, there's some other words they use. Uh, and then in terms of the idea of non-ESPN being on the show, it's going to be the Pat McAfee show. I mean, if you've paid attention to McAfee, McAfee is going to do what McAfee wants. Ian Rappaport from NFL Network, Shams Charania, who's on stadium and writes for the athletic. I fully expect them to be on 
uh, McAfee's show. You know, ESPN's lead insiders, of course, Adam Schefter and Adrian Wojnarowski. I just don't see it. Like maybe all those guys will be on maybe sometimes too, but uh, I just don't think uh, McAfee is going to change. Uh, he's gotten to this point being himself. You know, he's been offended by the fact some people have called him a sellout uh, for going to ESPN, which uh, to me, if I were him, I'd treat it as noise uh because you know that's what people do right they're just the internet you can't really go it's not smart to let other people's opinions shade how you how you feel but the fact that they're already calling him a sellout i don't think that's going to make him dig his heels in even stronger for the way he wants to do the show and he made it clear negotiations uh that and he said he said this publicly that he's going to do the show the way he wants to do it uh he's not going to be told what to do so uh you know how long this lasts um i think it's a Again, I'm not going to say how many years. I, I I think I know how many years it is, but multi-year uh, deal. Does it make it all the way through? The history says probably not. Uh, that hasn't happened. How it ends exactly, I don't know. But you know what? It could be a good marriage. I mean, he, he made a great point. I mean, he's going to be on even more. He's on YouTube. He's everywhere there. He's going to be on. He's going to be ubiquitous. Uh, and the chance to grow will be there. The most intriguing storyline about this to me is uh, why did he leave FanDuel? When he went to FanDuel, that was a lesson two years ago. Uh, I had people contacting me asking us to devote an entire podcast to his dual deal with FanDuel because they suggested it might be the future of how these types of deals are. He was getting paid gobs of money. He had his control over his his own fiefdom over there. And all of a sudden, like it, it, it soured. And so was the, was the money from FanDuel not as much as what was sort of originally put out there or what 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 is it that made McAfee decide that I'd rather get in with Disney and ESPN and and uh, as opposed to doing his own thing where he could then do you know the WWE and and uh, and uh, you know ESPN for college game day and, uh, and and all these other things yeah I agree and and but FanDuel's the one who should answer for FanDuel. They're the ones who made this huge deal. Uh, I reached out to FanDuel and said, I'd like to speak to somebody about, you know, what happened in their point of view. Uh, they declined comment. I said, uh, I responded by saying, uh, does Pat McAfee still have an agreement with you? Uh, and they declined to comment on that. So they don't know, apparently, FanDuel, if uh, <laughs> Pat McAfee has an agreement with them or not. Um, of course, they do know, but they're not saying they don't want to talk about this. I don't know. You sign a deal that's reported to be 120 plus million dollars and it's over after one year. You probably should say something, in my opinion. I think a lot of these companies, we talk about Apple a lot. I think that they're young. Like, Well, the, Apple's not young, but I think they really don't. This is a different space. It's a public they're young space. in the sports and entertainment space. Certainly. Yeah, exactly. It's a different space. And, you know, you're dealing with athletes um, and you're kind of leaving a vacuum of what people uh, think. And I think what your question is, look. I talked to our DM'd with McAfee on the original story when I said FanDuel is in question. He's done with FanDuel. I mean, that's obvious. Uh, they might not know it, but he's done. They might not be saying it. I said to him, because this is what I've heard, that you know he was very upset about the Super Bowl ad, which I could understand it. Like I wouldn't, I probably would just stick it out personally, but uh, he explain, was upset. Explain what the Super Bowl yeah. ad was. So the Super Bowl ad was for $10 million and it was like a field goal attempt. If they made it, it's a $10 million deal. Uh, they had Rob Gronkowski taking the field goal. They had Adam Venateri, who I think is buddies with McAfee. Uh, so I don't think he had a problem with that. Being involved, um, if you had Pat McAfee on your roster, Super Bowl ad, 
I think he'd had Pat McAfee involved. I mean, I don't blame him for being like, what the heck? <laughs> you know, I think I should be in the Super Bowl ad. And and I think, you, you know, you watch McAfee, I think being in a Super Bowl ad would have been a cool thing. He was in it. He denied that to me that that was like the, the core of the problem. Um, so maybe it's not that. There was an issue, of course, because he walked away. He took the seal off of his show. The seal was a fan duel was in the corners, not been there for months and months. Yeah, I think the question really is, does this change the relationship between FanDuel and potential people, you know, entertainers and sports media people? Um, are we seeing something that's, you know, I think when you look at it from their point of view, gambling wasn't legalized. Again, they're not talking, so who knows? But the gambling wasn't legalized in Texas, wasn't legalized in California. And so maybe he's converted enough people and it was a big chunk of change. Um, I do think a lot of the people that made the deal have left since then. Uh, and so the people who are uh, in charge might be different people. And so that makes a relationship different. And so he leaves and he goes to ESPN uh, and uh, he's getting a lot of money from ESPN. I'm not sure if it's as much as was reported from FanDuel. Either way, he's making a ton of money. Like it's still a ton of money from what I've no. heard, uh, but it, it might not be as much as he was getting from FanDuel. Uh, but he doesn't have to do all the advertising and all that other backroom stuff that he was responsible for when it was his own show just on YouTube. So this reminds me a little bit back when the Yes Network launched uh, and all of a sudden every single baseball team and basketball team were decided that they wanted to launch their own TV network. And this could be a simple case of FanDuel realizing, as a lot of these uh, teams did uh, way, way back when, it's hard to be in the media business. It's not as simple as just turning on a, on a mic. You know, you have to worry about a lot of different things, back office, uh, you know, behind the camera, in front of the camera, dealing with egos and everything along those lines as well. And there was something, uh, my final point on this is uh, at the ESPN upfront uh, that you and I both attended, uh, McPhee came on and one of his first comments, he, he talked about how he started his own business and how hard it was or how, how it wasn't necessarily a good business decision to start your own business. And uh and I, that might have played into it too, where he's a, he is really good, like he is really effective as an on-air talent. Uh, but to actually run the business is a, it's a totally different skill set, and 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 it has you sort of tugged and and pulled in a million different directions. Well, and the other thing about FanDuel is that they have FanDuel TV. They're trying to make their own linear network. They have Pat McAfee, who is just going to the you know, I've said this before, the, whatever we want to say about ESPN, they're still the Yankees. So Pat McAfee's going to the Yankees. All right. So he's the big free agent. He's the Adley Rushman, Adley Rushman. Let's just do it. Who has been a Bryce Harper, uh, you know, whatever, uh, Garrett Cole, recent free agent. I'm trying to get my baseball. I was going to say like Jason Giambi at one point there. It's a little bit <laughs> dated, a little dated. I am, so, but he's that guy. All right. That's what McAfee is. They had him. They had FanDuel TV. I, you know, I don't know the language of the contract, but you would think that could have been the staple of FanDuel TV if they're trying to make that a thing uh, to have Pat McAfee. Instead, he's at ESPN. Let's move on. Uh, we have a lot of topics. We're going to hit them pretty quickly as we go through them now. ESPN layoffs, uh, they were the second round, whereas this week, what do you know? They started on Monday. Uh, they're they're. It's not going to be as many as a, a, a couple of uh, week, weeks ago, um, but it is going to hit a, a lot of the executives. I think that you and I, I'm not sure if people listening to the podcast are going to know a lot of these names, but I know uh, you, you and I will know uh, a, a couple of these names. 
And I just wanted to, to reiterate, it's hard to have a good layoff, uh, strategy, corporate strategy around layoffs. I mean, it's a bad news story, but this idea of having one round, uh, three rounds of layoffs followed by on-air talent just creates this negative storylines. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's it's just, this, this has been a bad news cycle for Disney and ESPN going on months now. And for the life of me, I don't see any reason why they did this in four stages, as opposed to just having like one week where, where every, everything gets done. It's hard in the, uh, the best of times, uh, but, but th they're making it even harder and the press that they're getting out of this, it, it couldn't be worse. Yeah. This has you know, been something that ESPN um, has been doing. This is the fifth time in 10 years. This one's a Disney one. I mean, in fairness to ESPN, this one is a Disney one. Uh, I will say, uh, you know, I said last week, it is odd with the McAfee news uh, that they're spending all this money on McAfee. You know, the counter is they did, they didn't do the big 10 deal. They didn't do MLS. They didn't do champions league. Uh, they didn't do premier league. You know, there have been a lot of deals they haven't done. Yes, it's odd um, because of what's going on with such a big deal for McAfee. And then you have the upfronts, which is all about ESPN. And like I've said a number of times in November, I think the numbers are going to be really good when they reveal uh, their earnings, uh, which will make people bang their heads against the wall, understandably, uh, because ESPN is still a cash cow. Uh, maybe not as big a cash cow as it once was uh, before cord cutting, of course, but still a cash cow. Uh, so that's hard. Let's get to the next topic. Uh, we've been waiting to talk about this one, ESPN's direct-to-consumer. So our bet is... Yes. Uh, we've had a bet on this. Even. There's even a bet on this. So anyway. Five years from October of 2021, I believe, yep. right? Yep. Because it's like a month after we started, the, I did in the newsletter, and then we started this about a month later. So if it comes before the fall of 2026, uh, Sports Business Journal is going to buy you dinner. And if yep. it comes out uh, the fall after, uh, if it comes after that fall, New York Post is going to buy me dinner. And our guy on Twitter, TV Sports Ratings, also involved. He, he's jumped on the Oran side of it. But you've also flip flop. But TV Sports Ratings at least has stayed with it um, and is going with the over. I've done more reporting on it. All right. Here's a couple of things. Number one, it's not going to happen this year. Uh, very, very unlikely next year. 25 is probably the earliest it's going to happen. Uh, or 26, uh, still within that five years. Although if we get into 26, I might be sweating a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, but that'd be fun if it gets to there. But still within the five, said five years, it's within the five years. One thing that I think is very interesting uh, that was said to me and, and is really the Sunday ticket deal going to YouTube was a tremendous boon for ESPN. Uh, YouTube, Google is spending $2 billion for Sunday ticket. Uh, if you get it through YouTube, you get YouTube, you get Sunday ticket, you get $100 off. That's a pretty good incentive for people to switch to YouTube. So when you think about it, who's going to switch to YouTube? Well, people have cable. So they might have been dropping cable. Instead of dropping cable, they're getting YouTube. Uh, people who don't have cable at all could get YouTube TV. ESPN, Disney's paying zero for that. Every time someone gets YouTube TV, they get their $10 fees again for all the ESPN channels. Uh, so that's a boon and that could slow things down if it slows the churn. I think also, if I think is a total, I think is wrong, is that fact, I think, again, not the, you know, this is the word they use, the demise of cable. I understand cable's going the wrong direction. It's not doing well. It's diminishing. It's going to be less important. The demise uh, implies that it's going to be zero at some point. 
And I think more likely it's going to get to 50, 60 million at you know, the next couple of years and then going to level off. We already see that. Like, I think if you look at the numbers, they went from, and I don't know if it was year to year, so I don't want to say that, but I, I believe it might've been 76 to 74 for ESPN. Like the, the numbers are maybe kind of not dwindling as quickly. And um, people talk about this article as well. ESPN DTC is going to kill cable, but I actually don't think that's going to happen. Like, I just think you look at it like someone here in New York, let's just say ESPN direct to consumers, $30 could be more, could be less. Let's say it's 30. Uh, the yes network now has a direct to consumers about $24 MSG, which is where you get the ring. The yes, you get Yankees and nets Rangers, Knicks, all the hockey um, in New York. That's MSG. It's gonna be $30. All right. Let's just call it. Yes. 30. So now we're at $90 SNY will probably have a product. They'll probably charge $30 a month. Now we're at $120. You know what we're going to say? You say, you know what? Why don't I get, and then you don't have, you still have Turner, still don't have FS1. You still don't have, HBO Max, which you can get on your cable, you can you know you can get that separately too. So I think you USA, start adding Peacock, absolutely. Yeah, all, all, keep well, adding but those aren't on cable though. Like the ones that aren't on cable, like USA for a soccer fan, I I need USA Network. So then I need some kind of way to get USA Network. I also need Peacock. I mean NBC is making us pay twice. Uh, that's nice of them uh, for the the product that they own. We have to pay them twice. ESPN is the same thing with ESPN, ESPN Plus they're not going to make up the money. Like they're going to make less money, these cable, these companies. I mean, it's like, I don't know if it's possible for them to make up the money. Maybe gambling comes in. Maybe there's something else that comes in. Most likely they're going to make less money, but they're not going to die. And cable, I don't think is going to die. I mean, I mean, again, eventually, but just as newspapers have hung on, cables hung on. We've seen this in all industries that have gotten eaten by digital and TV's kind of been the last one to, to be, um, you know, chomped on. And now it's happening and it's happening in a big way. But I don't think... I just don't think it's going to be game changing. Like I don't see with the yes network, I don't see everyone canceling. And I think this is another important thing. Cable until um, the streamers figure this out. Cable is a easier, uh, easier to use. If I'm watching the Mets on SNY and I watch the Yankees on, uh, and I want the Yankees and they're on yes, it's easy to flip around when they're on Amazon. The other day I missed a bad, you know, good Met game because I was watching the Yankees on Amazon prime. Um, and it's hard to flip. It was too much work. I could have got my iPad out, watch second screen. I, I thought about it, but it was too lazy. Okay. But the bottom line is that's going to help cable. People are going to be like, this is easier for me. And you can still stream with cable. I think cable and in terms of people viewing, yes, it's diminishing, but it, I don't know if demise is the right word. Even just look at this past weekend, like you know, I'm an NBA fan. I wanted to watch an NBA uh, playoffs. You, you need ESPN and Turner and ABC. You wanted to watch a golf major. You, you And I, I know it's on CBS, which is a broadcast network, but I get that through my multi-channel uh, system as well. Wanted to see Adley Rushman play for the Orioles. You, you got to get mass in. You got to uh, subscribe to cable. So cable to me, I've always been a, a big believer in the bundle. It's a one-stop shop to see to see everything. And so I've been flip-flopping a little bit, and it's plainly clear that Bob Iger and Jimmy Pitaro want to go towards streaming. They've been a little less gung-ho about that as as they've seen, you know, uh, uh, the streamers not paying as much for programming and start to retrench a little bit, which could be good for uh, for the cable bundle in terms of uh, lasting past that five-year mark. That gives us a good segue into the next topic because Fox owns a majority of the Big Ten Network, which, as you reported first, uh, made the negotiations for the Big Ten games, uh, the football games, uh, very 
interesting and different because you had people like Eric Shanks, the CEO of Fox Sports, uh, and Mark Silverman, the president of Fox Sports, uh, very involved in the other negotiations with the other networks uh, in terms of getting them. Um, and then Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten at the time, was involved. And as Pete Thamel, good story on ESPN.com, wrote, uh, total mayhem. So, I, I mean, I don't know. So, like, this is what happens. Like, so people understand. When we, like, report deals are done, usually it's a short – I don't even – you tell me if I'm right here. It's just short-form contract. And then sometimes the long form has to be done, right, because it's agreed to in principle. Because usually we find out before, and so then they, they you know, you get confirmation. Um, and then a long form. And usually the long form's kind of formality, although I've heard of certain networks are more difficult than other networks. They take forever. Regardless, it's usually not a problem. It is a problem, though, when you promise the same game to the two different networks and they only play one game. So, <laughs> which apparently That's is what a problem. happened. That's been a problem for as long as I've been reporting this, Andrew. So, John, when you look at this Big Ten situation, uh, what do you see happening? It doesn't appear to be a little bit of chaos uh, within the uh, the Big Ten right now, but I, I, I can't emphasize enough that deals are going to get done. Uh, NBC is going to have a primetime uh, series with the Big Ten. CBS is going to have their late afternoon and, and Fox is going to have their, their noon. There's still some horse trading going on around that. Uh, that's very unusual, but this is, does not put the deal in jeopardy at all. And the other question is that we haven't mentioned it just because if people haven't read about it or heard about it, is that uh, a few teams, Penn State, Ohio State, I think Michigan, don't, didn't want to play in November at night. You know, obviously NBC's game is prime time. So they had to figure that out because you can't take just three teams, especially three of the most important teams off the board. Uh, and because there's a draft and you can't just say, oh, would they get them early? Uh, that's obviously there's a value proposition there that they need to figure out. And, you know, at the end of the day, maybe those teams could play one game at night, you know, every other year or something. It probably could work out, um, in my opinion. Uh, because you can't just have UCLA and USC playing that eight o'clock game uh, every every year. You know, I mean, USC looks like they might be really good, so perhaps NBC would take it. But uh, but those things change. All right. Speaking of messes and college conferences, Andrew, what a segue this is. It's almost like we uh, we we planned this out. Uh, the Pac-12 still no media deal. Um, what are you hearing? So ESPN has had no substantive talks with the Pac-12 in a while. Uh, the only way I see ESPN doing a deal is if the Pac-12 does something very creative. And when you say the word creative, and you're talking about these big deals that are supposed to be for billions of dollars, at least millions of dollars, that means less expensive, which does not solve the Pac-12's problem. You know, they need to get the money and they need to have the exposure. I do not believe they are going to get that at ESPN. Uh, you know, do things change over time? That's always possible. I never would totally close the door, but I don't foresee that. Uh, we already reported Amazon also very, very unlikely, similar circumstance. Uh, and so we could keep going down the list. Uh, but where this goes, um, I think we're coming to a head um, where they're going to have to present something. You know, the ball keeps getting um, kicked down the field. Uh, and it doesn't seem to stop ever. Look, I know this has become like a huge Big 12, Pac-12 fight. I got no fight in the game. You know, just reporting what I know from uh, people who 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 know what's going on. Uh, that doesn't, you know, bode well for the Pac-12. And, you know, they maybe end up at a, on a lesser network. That's possible. But 
at the moment, I don't see where they're going. I, they, they'll get a deal. I just don't see exactly where that is at the at this point. Let's finish up with a couple of things here. Uh, the NBA Finals, as we speak, uh, the Denver Nuggets are already in. They beat LeBron and the Lakers, swept them uh, tonight as we're taping. Uh, the Celtics are going to try to prevent being swept by the Miami Heat, but let's presume it will be Miami and Denver. Uh, it's a fun final. I, I know there's going to be a lot of talk about ratings, and they could have had Lakers and Celtics, so there's a classic battle, but uh, this will show some of the power of the NBA if they can get a reasonable number. I want to start a propose a drinking game, uh, Andrew, for every time you read about, oh, the NBA wanted Boston and LA or LeBron and, and, and Boston to be in the finals and the ratings, you have to take a drink. Mm, I love scotch. I have to say that for the long-term health of the NBA, and we both agree the long-term health is, is looking very good, the on-court and off-court storylines around Denver and around this Miami team is going to be more beneficial to, to the NBA. During his press conference on Monday night, LeBron James, for the first time, sort of hint, hinted about retiring. I mean, we are at that. Hey, uh, yeah, I know he probably uh, won't. On video, I just like waved my hand. There's no chance. Look, maybe he takes a year off, and then when his son comes in, uh, he plays. There's no way he's going out like this. There's no chance. You think he's just going to retire and never play again? Zero chance. As an NBA sure. fan, Joker is I, I will watch him. I will watch him play horse. Like I like like for for Denver, he's just a like he's a star that that the NBA can start to try to build around to to uh, when LeBron finally does end up retiring. Jimmy Butler and the Heat and sort of all that all those undrafted players and the culture around the Heat. I think it's going to be a, a a fun finals, and I think. You know the ratings might not be as high. Take a drink, but uh, the ratings will be fine for the uh, for for the NBA. Scotch, Scotch, Scotch. Here it goes down, down into my belly. I want to end up here with uh, the PGA Championship. Shout out to Live Golf. Uh, Brooks Kepka ended up uh, w- winning it. I know that that, uh, that that was the first sort of major championship, first of two that that Live has a a, a big win. That's a, a good news story for those guys. What's your takeaway from that? Well, I do think it adds to the majors, you know, the live aspect of it, that this is the place where everyone gets together. So I do think that's um, uh, really good. But there was an all-time story, and CBS did a good job covering it. I mean, you just have to, you know, there, there are certain stories, like I always say this, like if you have a really good story, you just have to tell it. You don't need to write it a certain way or try to do something too fancy with it. Just tell that story, you know, as plainly as possible if it's an amazing story. Um, and they got one uh, with Michael Block. Uh, so let's play a clip of Amanda Balonis Renner um, you know, talking to Michael Block, who's the club pro, who finished fifteenth. Uh, really, one of the great stories. This might be a movie at one point, at some point. Uh, but uh, here, here he is. You said it yesterday that this was the best week of your life. What do you call it now? Thanks, Amanda. I appreciate you making me cry. Um, uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, I'm living a dream. And what you got there, John, is the emotion. And that's what makes sports, makes golf, uh, just makes it beautiful. Uh, And, you know, CBS did a good job of presenting that emotion. And, you know, obviously it's an obvious story, but they recognized it uh, and told it. Uh, And hole in one he had, uh, Nance saying fairy tale, uh, and hole in one. That was was really a lot of fun to watch. Well, we are at the end of yet another week for the uh, Marshan and Orion Sports Media podcast. Uh, End of the pod. I want to get a little bit personal, Andrew. I'm taking off for the rest of the uh, 
of the week because I'm going up to Holy Cross where you shouted out your brother earlier. I'm going to shout out my daughter, Megan Oran, graduating after uh, four years that that flew by at Holy Cross. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a uh, an emotional scene up in Worcester, Massachusetts, the home of polar water. Nice. Well, congratulations uh, to you and your whole family. Uh, enjoy that. With you off, I'll try to break as many stories as possible. Uh, <laughs> and I want to do what I want to do. One more shout out. Uh, we got a comment, Andrew. From uh, let me see if I get this right. I got to find out who this is. It's H K J G F J K J D F. He says he wants to request an entire podcast devoted to why the Orioles mascot is the best in sports. I propose that for next week, Andrew. What do you think? All right. Instead, we're going to have the big get, bring back a big get, Mike Breen, who just won uh, the sports Emmy for best play-by-play, which probably is the good karma because this was already planned for him to be on. So he got the good karma for being on. Mike Breen next week is the big get. Uh, Then two weeks from now, John Oren is going to be off. We have a special co-host. We'll reveal next week, but uh, very going to be a fun one uh, with a lot of media opinions from this person uh, in two weeks. Uh, So if you can like uh, the podcast, if you can rate it, uh, and if you write a review, it's very appreciative. As always, we want to thank Chris Mason and AC Wyatt and time for bloopers, I guess. Chris, can we get a, is there a clock? Yeah, I have one job, right? (laughs) Actually, you have like 20 jobs, but that's one of the 20, that's one Chris. one of the Come jobs on. is just to have a clock so we know how long we're going. Actually, Chris, can sure... you start that at 15? Is that possible? I mean, I can add 15. You can't add 15? I'm a, I'm a reporter. I, my math is, a, that's a long time ago. I need a calculator. You know, there's some other words they use like ASS. I mean, can we, do we say, do we say ass on the... I mean, are we referencing a donkey or, or uh, like... Yeah, okay. So I wasn't I... sure what the... I was. I know that we have the uh, Oran style book that we have to follow here on the margin. <laughs> I have kids that listen to my kids listen to this pod. They don't. I'm just doing this for the bloopers now. That's all I care about is being good on the bloopers. <laughs>